are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Well, tonight I'm going to start a series, and over the next few weeks you're going to hear different speakers uh, speak on different topics, but it's all related to this series. And the title is, Lord... I was trying to think of the best way to say this. Lord, change my attitude. Oh, Lord, change my attitude before it's too late. Amen. Change my attitude, Lord, before it's too late. This is the title of the series. And so as I was thinking about attitudes, a favorite character came to mind. Uh, I love Winnie the Pooh. He's like one of my heroes. And... Eeyore is a great character in Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Different people have different favorite characters. Um, I always felt like I would be a female Christopher Robin, but I don't know if Christopher Robin could be a girl. But anyway, um, Eeyore, he has a penchant for gloomy ruminations. That's what Tigger says. So I thought I might share with you some Eeyore witticisms. These are things that Eeyore would say to help you get a feeling for what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, When um, someone asked him about his tail, he said, well, it's not much of a tail, but I am sort of attached to it. (laughs) Winnie the Pooh asked, lovely day, isn't it? To which Eeyore replied, if it is a good morning, which I doubt. (laughs) When Christopher Robin tied a red balloon to his tail, Eeyore replied, Sure is a cheerful color. Guess I'll have to get used to it. <laughs> One of his great sayings is, could be worse. Not sure how, but it could be. <laughs> when Winnie the Pooh asks the question we've all been wanting to ask, Eeyore, so are you finally happy, Eeyore? He quips, no, but I sure do like my new tail. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Eeyore witticisms. Well, tonight we're going to help Eeyore get out of his doldrums. How about that? Here's some uh, important questions that you need to ask yourself as we start this series. And um, as I was reviewing these questions, I thought, wow, this is a real, this has potential. This series has potential to be life-changing, but it will only be so if you embrace it. So here's what I want to ask you tonight. Are you open to considering what the Lord has to say about changing your attitude? Hmm. Are you open to that? Are you willing to be changed? Change is hard, isn't it? Change is not easy, but are you willing? Are you willing to be changed over the next few weeks? Are you willing to change your attitude? Not someone else's, but yours. Are you willing to change that? Are you willing to focus exclusively on your attitude? Are you willing to figure out what's going on here and maybe make some changes that could really improve your life? Are you willing to go after this change of attitude with urgency? I have found in my own life that if I was determined to make a change, I had to focus on it, make up my mind, and dig in hard. Because change is hard. It doesn't come easily. We all fall into patterns we've been in for our whole lives. So I want to challenge you, and right now I want to have a word of prayer because this has the potential to change your life, not just tonight, but over the next few weeks, if you'll embrace it. Sometimes we hear the word of God, and we've already made up our minds how we feel about ourselves and things that are coming to us, and there's no possibility for life change. But I'm telling you that if you will open your heart to the word of God, 
your life could really change over the next few weeks if you'll let it. Would you do that? Would you pray with me right now? Can you be honest for a minute and just ask the Lord, God, I might be confronted with some things about myself over the next few weeks that are maybe even hard to hear, but I'm asking you to help me be honest and know that the entrance of your word gives life to me and light, God. So if I could embrace your word, my life could really change, and that's how transformation happens. I want to take off all the limitations. I want my life to be everything that you've wanted it to be, God, and everything it can be. So help us embrace the attitude changes that we need to make. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what really matters in life and to God is our actions. Isn't that what we would think? God cares about what I do, but I'm here to tell you that that is wrong. God cares more about your attitude than your actions. And where are attitudes on God's list of priorities? This series will help identify the attitudes that you have to put off. Everybody say put off. And some attitudes that you've got to put on. Sometimes you got to put some off before you can put the right ones on. So the challenge over the next few weeks is to identify a wrong attitude and put it off and find the right attitude and put it on. Very good. God proved what he thought about attitude when he decided that the people of Israel would wander around in the desert for 40 years and an entire generation of people would die before Israel would enter the promised land. Can you imagine what that would have been like for God to have made that decision to say, I'm sorry, you're close, but you're not going in. Wow, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And this tragic event of the Israelites wandering in the wilderness was a key topic in the Bible, and people kept mentioning mentioning it over and over again. Psalm 95, 8 through 11, David starts talking about it in the Psalms, and he says, listen, harden not your heart as in the day of provocation, as in the day of the temptation of the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said, it is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest." In the middle of the Psalms, David is saying, hey, there's an example we better be thinking about here because some people had a bad attitude and it kept them from inheriting the promises of God. And as I was thinking about this lesson and what we believe here about the promises of God and how near and dear that theme is to our heart, I'm like, God, don't let anything keep me from inheriting the promises of God, especially if it's my own attitude. Amen. Hebrews 3, verse 17, Paul, in the New Testament, he even talks about it. He said, but with whom was he grieved 40 years? He's talking about the children of Israel. Who was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Wait, I thought we were talking about an attitude here. And Paul calls it a sin. And that's the reason they fell in the wilderness. Israel had come victoriously out of Egypt by God's great delivering power. And God had brought them to the promised land, the land that had been promised to them as their inheritance, a place where they would grow and prosper. But something happened to derail the whole plan of God, and that is that 12 men were sent into the promised land to look over it, and they came back with a report. So when those 12 men came back, they all had something to say about the land that they had just seen. And in that, you're going to see their attitude. Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. One of the men who was with the spies, his name was Caleb. 
And so when he came out of the promised land and he gave his report, it says, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. What are we waiting for? Let's go right now and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. Come on, we can do this. God has promised it to us. Let's get going here. And then Joshua, Numbers 14, verse 7 and 8, and they all spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. So two of the 12 were like, we got this. Let's go. We're right here. We're right on the edge. We can see it. We've been in it. Let's get going here. But there was a few people who just didn't see it that way. The other 10, Numbers 13, verses 31 through 33, uh, says, But the men that went up with him said, We're not able to go up against this people, for they're stronger than we are. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched into the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, it is the land that eats up the inhabitants, that when we go in there, we're going to get swallowed up. That's what they were saying. And all the people that we saw in it are of great stature. They're they're huge. These people are huge. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which came, which come off the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Like, how did they know that? But they had it all figured out. We were grasshoppers in our own, our, our own sight. And when they saw us, that's what they thought. These people are grasshoppers. Crazy. That was crazy. All of a sudden, everyone's like, what's going on here? We thought God gave us this land. We thought we were going to take this land. Hey, this was our inheritance. This is our promised land. But there were 10 people. Now, didn't all these people see the same thing? Didn't they all see the same thing when they went into the land? They all saw the same thing. But what limited them was their attitude. Because two of them were like, come on, let's go. Ten were going, there's not going to happen. There's no way. Eeyore, the Eeyore spirit came upon them. Amen. This is way before Winnie the Pooh, but Eeyore spirit was there. (laughs) So how does God feel about all this? Numbers chapter 14, verse 26 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, when God heard all of this, the Lord spoke unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long should I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. God was saying, this is against me. They're murmuring against me. Why? Because I'm the one who told them I'm giving them this land. And they're murmuring against me, saying to them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do. (laughs) Have you ever had your parents say that to you? Well, you said it. That's what you're going to get. That's what God was saying to them. You said you can't go in. That's what you said. Well, guess what? As you've told me that, that's going to be the truth. Because what you speak will come to pass. I'm just saying. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make to you to dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Out of that entire people, there were only two that were above the age of 20 that went into the promised land. And those were the two that came back with a good report. 
I think God was serious about this. <laughs> Just a little bit, yes. What was the problem? The problem was the people's murmuring. God absolutely hates that contrary, doubtful, rebellious attitude, and he simply will not tolerate. So what does that look like in our world today? What is murmuring? Those who choose murmuring as their lifestyle will spend their lifetime in the wilderness. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So now let's take a New Testament example. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, verse 10 and 11. Paul was speaking, and he said this. He said, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All of our fathers, all the children of Israel had the same experience in that God delivered them mightily out of Egypt. And when he brought them into the wilderness, he put a pillar of fire over them and a pillar of cloud at night, cloud by day, fire at night, to lead and guide them and take them all the way through. He had the whole plan set up for them to be successful. But something happened in that they got their eyes off of what God had promised them and on the circumstances that they were in, and they decided to start complaining. And God said, well, it derailed them. Verse 10 says, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Paul said, this is a really good lesson here. Don't murmur. Don't complain. Because if you do, you could have the same situation in your life that these people had in the Old Testament. Now, all these things, verse 11, happened unto them for an example. And they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Does this make a difference in our day today? Yes, it does. God is still concerned about complaining. Praise God. So... How do you replace a complaining attitude? Complaining is an attitude choice that, if left unchecked, will wither my capacity to experience joy and genuine thankfulness. If I take on myself an attitude of a complainer, I will limit what God can do in my life. Because when I complain, I shut down the avenue through which God could bless and help me. Because when I complain, I'm saying, hey, it's never going to happen. Things aren't going good. This, this situation is wearing me out. You, when I start saying that, I have shut down the possibility that God could even work in my life. Because what realm does God work in? Faith, right? That's where God works. But when I complain, I shut that down. I said, no, this is going to I'm good old Eeyore. Well... It's not going to happen to me. I shut it down. Have you ever wondered why complaining is such a battle when we all agree that complaining changes nothing? Have you ever complained about something and then when you got done you realized, well, (laughs) it's still the same as it was before I went on that little rant right there. (laughs) Just because I complained doesn't mean that anything actually changed. Have you ever been through that situation where you fully vented how you felt about something and when it was over, nothing's better just because I complained about it? Well, why why does that even feel good? Why does complaining even feel good? Now, I would say that complaining does feel good. Don't look at me, but it does, doesn't it? 
Sometimes when you just get that complaint out there, there's this sense of relief. It's like, well, there, I said it. I just said it. (laughs) But here's why complaining feels good. It's because complaining satisfies our sinful nature. Praise the Lord. (laughs) As I was thinking about this lesson, I thought of our dear beloved bishop, and he would have said the chiclets are flying tonight. So in honor of our bishop. Yes, because when I complain, it just makes me feel good. Well, what does that mean? That sinful part of me, which is negative and fleshly and full of bad ideas, when I complain, it connects with that. And I have a momentary feeling of like, well, there, I said it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But that is not good. That is not good. That's not a good thing. Complaining releases negative emotional energy in a way that provides momentary relief from a situation or circumstance that may be frustrating you. Yeah, you're going to feel better for just a moment. But what just happened in that complaining moment? Did anything positive happen? No, it didn't. So those who choose murmuring as their lifestyle will spend their lifetime in the wilderness. Numbers 11 verse 1 says, Now the people became like those who complain. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of them on the outskirts of the camp. Wow, God was serious about this thing, wasn't he? Complaining doesn't work for God. Listen, we choose our attitudes. They don't choose us. Every attitude that I have, I chose it. It's my attitude that I chose. No one forced me to have the attitude that I have. Did anyone force the Israelites to complain? No, they chose to complain. And attitudes are a pattern of thinking. Everybody say pattern. That's what an attitude is. It's a pattern of thinking. And you develop a way of thinking about things, a way of approaching life. So attitudes are patterns of thinking formed over a long period of time. If any of you have children, you would know that children are born knowing how to complain. They are born with that. They are already born with that ability of knowing how to complain. It is true. They know how to do it from a young age. Before they can even speak, children can complain. Oh, yes, it is true. Because they will whine and fuss or stamp feet or do something to protest in a complaint. If you're not there fast enough or the food is not there quick enough or you don't change them soon enough or you haven't given them everything they wanted, they will complain. You have to teach a child not to complain. I know this from personal experience because my parents did this to me and I did this to my kids. Yes, I did. (laughs) I tried to. I tried to do this to my kids. You are born knowing how to complain. It's a part of you. If you try and discipline complaining, the child will not understand it. You have to train them not to complain and discipline them when they do. If you discipline without the training, the child is confused. You have to give them, I'm sorry, just went into a little bit of a child-rearing thing here, but well, some of you have children. Let me help you here. You have, to, you have to train them not to complain, and when you're training them, you have to give them an alternate to the complaint. 
You have to say, okay, I know that you feel badly about this right now. Here's how you can explain to me that you feel badly. You may not scream. You may not cry. You may not throw things. You may not. (laughs) You smile and shake your head. No, you may not. Here's what you may do. You may kindly ask me whatever. And you think, oh, no, it doesn't work. It does work. It does work. You have to teach a child not to complain. My parents taught me how not to complain, and I won't explain that to you right now, but it worked. (laughs) It definitely worked. The Israelites didn't suddenly become complainers. Some of them started complaining in Egypt when they were making bricks. The Bible details the fact that they were complaining about making the bricks. Now, didn't they have a hard time in Egypt? Yes, they did. Did they have a right to complain? What's the right answer? (laughs) You feel like you have a right to complain because verbalizing it relieves some of the anxiety. But does complaining actually accomplish anything? No, it doesn't. So what's the truth about complaining? Complaining is a sin. Oh, that is hard right there. Complaining is a sin. You miss the mark. You fail in regard to God's holy standard and his demands. Listen, when you complain, you hurt yourself. But you're not just hurting yourself when you complain. You're also hurting God indirectly. God is directly affected when he hears our complaining and our wrong attitudes because complaining questions God's sovereignty. What it's really saying is, God, you really don't know what's happening down here, and you really don't know what's good for me. Otherwise, you would have fixed this by now. Watch the lightning is coming down right there by this pulpit. Whoa, I just felt very alarmed there. You don't, I would never say that to God, but sometimes we think it in our mind. Complaining hurts ourselves. Complaining indirectly hurts God. And complaining hurts those around us, the people around us. We affect others by our stinking thinking. If your friends and family are hearing you complaining all the time, you're bringing them down. So what is the definition? Complaining is expressing dissatisfaction with a circumstance that is not wrong and about which I'm doing nothing to correct. Can I complain about the weather? Well, probably. That's, can I complain about traffic? Well, probably. Can I complain about, you know, I'm running behind, I'm complaining, I'm complaining about things that are happening in the world today. Can I complain about them? Did you know that there are websites now that have been invented for you to actually complain. No, this is true. It's called iVenting. iVenting. This is what they say. Welcome to iVenting.com, the free place on the internet to get it off your chest and complain. Go on. It's good for you. Do you want to vent right now? Well, go ahead. Look at what other people are venting about. Write it all down and give us your name. This is all, These are websites. There's one called the Complaint Station. This is the king of complaints. They have over 5 million people that have logged on to this website. We hold the record for the most complaints on any one website and are the pioneers of open complaining. And then there's one called complain.org. Don't look these up. Please don't go to these websites. Complain about everything, anything. The whole world is here to listen to you, so go ahead. Complain. What is it? It does connect with our sinful nature when we complain, but is it profitable? Is it helpful? No. But not only would the world hear your complaints, but God would hear your complaints. And what is the worst kind of complaining? 
Let's talk about really where the rubber meets the road. Numbers 11, verse 1, it says, Now the people became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. They complained about adversity. I want to read this to you in the Amplified. Now the people became like those who complain and whine about their hardships, and the Lord heard it. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and devoured those in the outlying parts of the camp. Really, what is the worst kind of complaining? It's complaining about adversity. It's complaining about my trials. It's complaining about my hardships. It's complaining about my lot in life. It's not complaining about the weather or the traffic or whatever, or the food or whatever. When we start complaining about what is going on in our lives, we are actually questioning the sovereignty of God in our lives. Because when I start complaining about the trial that I'm going through, what am I really saying? I'm really saying, God, you got this all wrong. You're not taking care of me. You're not meeting my needs. You see what I'm saying? When we, when we start complaining about our adversity, that's when it really is the rubber meeting the road. And here's what happens. You are forfeiting the grace that could help you through that trial by complaining about it. When I choose to complain, I shut down the opportunity for God to help me in the situation where I am. Because now I'm not operating in faith. I am operating in doubt. No, God can't do this. There's no way. How come it's been so long? All the grace and strength you need is available to you, but by choosing to complain, by clinging to the idol of a perfect life, you are flushing away the grace of God. It's going to get better here in just a minute. Everybody hang with me. This is so serious. It's warm up here. <laughs> Woo. All right. God hates complaining. So what are the solution steps? you got to just look yourself in the eye and say, hey, am I a complainer? Am I a person who indulges in complaining? Am I reaping the consequences of complaining in my relationship with God? Is that the problem? And then am I willing to repent? Because we have already shown you that complaining is a sin. So the first step out of it is repentance. To say, God, I'm sorry that I've embraced this. So how can I change this attitude? How can I get out of it? Now that we know what it is, how can I get out of it? Replace a complaining attitude with a thankful attitude. That's how you turn around a complaining attitude. Thankfulness is the attitude that perfectly displaces my sinful tendencies to complain and thereby releases joy and blessings into my life. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19, I want to read you this passage, and I'm sure you're very familiar with it. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood far off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. These men were in bad shape. Their bodies were very broken. They were in pain, and they were alienated 
alienated from everybody else because they had leprosy, which was a very contagious disease. So they could not even be with their families. They couldn't be around any people there, and they were alienated. And so they said, Jesus, have mercy. And when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Can you imagine after having lived with such a horrible illness, all of a sudden Jesus says, well, hey, go show yourself to the priests. And as they're on their way there, they're all healed. Can you imagine how happy they would have been? They were thrilled with this. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. And with a loud voice glorified God, and he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, wait, were there not ten people that I just cleansed? Where are the other nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save the stranger. And he said unto him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you whole not just cleansed and healed, but completely whole. There was a change in his attitude. So when Jesus healed him, he not only healed his body, but his entire life changed and he was whole because of his gratitude. Christ notices when we are ungrateful. And I want to say that thankfulness is more than just saying the right words. What is gratitude? It means to show that a kindness received is valued. It means that when you have done something for me, I'm thankful for it. That when you have done a kindness to me, I, I express that and I say thank you for that. Um, uh, the author of the book that we're using, James McDonald, he broke it down like this, and I think I put it in the study guide, that there are levels of gratitude. Yes, it's on the back. There are levels of gratitude. It's like this. It's like elementary school gratitude. Where thankfulness is the most basic sense. It's like, you know how you teach your kids when someone does something for you? You say, thank you. That's one of the very basics. Thank you. Thank you for doing that for me. Thank you. That's elementary school gratitude. But a high school gratitude would be a more mature gratitude. Where you're finding something to be thankful for in every situation. It's not just thank you for what you did for me, but I live with gratitude in my heart. That no matter what situation I'm in, I'm looking for something to be thankful for in that situation. The Bible talks about we give thanks for everything, but then it talks about in everything give thanks. And that's two different concepts in that when I'm in that situation, I'm still giving thanks in the situation that I'm in. I'm looking for something to be thankful for. I have to look away from what's wrong and I have to focus on what's right. But then he talks about graduate school gratitude, and that is to be thankful in all things. Thankfulness that trusts God and thus is grateful for the bad things, even the things that you wouldn't choose. Now that's gratitude. Yeah, that's a hard, hard road to hoe, isn't it? Ephesians 5, 18 and 20 says, Be filled with the Spirit, giving thanks always for all things to God. It's like saying, thank you, God. This is the thing that you're using in my life, and you've allowed it because you love me, and I trust you. So thank you. Thank you even for this. Have you got something right now in your life? where you've been tempted to complain about it. But you could look at that thing and say, God, I want to thank you for this. That's graduate school gratitude, isn't it? That's hard. But God, 
you must know me, and you know how much I can take, and you know what's going on in my life, so I thank you even for this. I thank you for the situation you've allowed me to be in, because here's what I know. When I come out, I'm going to come out as gold. So I thank you for this. That's a whole lot different than that elementary school gratitude, which is just, hey, thanks for the dinner here. This is thanks for real life, God. So now let's talk about points of thanksgiving. <clears throat> this will help you change an attitude of, of complaining into an attitude of gratitude. So here's the first one I want to tell you. Thankfulness is a decision. It is. Being thankful is a decision that you make. Psalms 107 verse 8 says, Oh, that men would give thanks unto the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. It's not, oh, that men could give thanks. It's, oh, that men would give thanks. David is saying, oh, that you would give thanks unto God, that you would decide to be a thankful person. I'm hoping you're going to make that decision tonight. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to be thankful. No matter what's happening in my life, I'm choosing an attitude of gratitude. Oh, that men would give thanks unto the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. We really have so much to be thankful for. Don't we? Oh, yeah, there's some stuff going on that's negative and difficult. But when you look about your life as a whole, can you not say, I have a lot to be thankful for? We do. But when that situation is in front of us, it's right there, and that's all we can see. But an attitude of gratitude stops focusing on that and looks at all of this and says, God, you are good. You are good. Point number two, thankfulness is a decision based in reality. I'm not living in la-la land. I'm not living in a bubble. It's not that I don't have worries or troubles. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9, Paul said, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He said, Look, we have the treasure of the Holy Spirit inside of us, and this is proving that God is very good. And this is what he said, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. That's the attitude of gratitude. We are hard-pressed on every side. Paul was saying, look, I'm being honest about the situation that I'm in right now. Yeah, this is not good, yet, everybody say yet, not crushed. Yeah, this this is tough right here. But he didn't stop there. He said, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Amen. Praise God. He said, we are perplexed. We don't understand what's going on here. This is way above our head. But we are not, everybody say not, in despair. Yeah, I'm not in despair. Okay? I could be, but I'm not. You know why? Because I know God's got this. I don't understand it. It's above my understanding right now. But you know what? I'm not giving up. Why? Because I have an attitude of gratitude. Because here's what I know. In the end, God's going to win. I'm coming out of this. Amen. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. He said, we are even struck down, but we are not destroyed. Gratitude is not ignoring a situation or pretending that it doesn't exist. It's redirecting my thoughts to the powerful God who can help me 
with the situation that I'm in. It's an attitude of gratitude. It's an attitude of faith. It's saying, okay, God, I'm a little stuck down here, but here's what I know. I know that you're a God who handles all situations well, so go ahead and help me out. Praise God. Praise God. And then thankfulness is a life-changing decision. I'm going to go back to Psalm 107, verse 8. When he starts this verse, when David starts this psalm, he says, Oh, oh, that men would give thanks unto the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. As he's calling out this verse, he's like, Oh, that's what he's saying. Oh, that men, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. Yeah, he could, he could sympathize with you. He got into some bad situations where people were coming after him and threatening his life. But he said, oh, oh, that men would praise the Lord, would give thanks to the Lord. Oh, that somebody would just get an understanding that if all I do is complain, I'm shutting down everything that God could do for me. But if I would give thanks to God, I'm opening the avenue for God to work in my life. Oh, that men would give thanks to God for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. So it's time maybe to change an attitude. If you have had an attitude of complaining, the challenge tonight is to change it to an attitude of gratitude, thanksgiving. So are you a thankful person? Can you see the blessings of thankfulness in your life? And are you choosing thankfulness over complaining moment by moment? If you've been a person who has complained, then sometimes one moment at a time, you have to choose thanksgiving. You have to choose gratitude a moment at a time. So here's what we're going to do now. It's app time. So you got to find somebody near you you can talk to. And here's the question. Are there things or situations in life which you find yourself complaining about, and what are they? Oh, yes, this is honest time. Are there things or situations in life which you find yourself complaining about, and what are they? Everybody find someone that you're talking to here. We'll take a few minutes and do this. get all that off your chest there. (laughs) You're able to share that and get that off your chest. These are the things I find myself complaining about. Uh, So now that we got all that out, now we're going to turn it around into Thanksgiving. So I want you to um, turn back to that person and I want you to tell them two things that you're thankful for.
inside your handout uh, for tonight, your study guide for tonight, there's a couple little papers, half sheets that look like this. And this is a strategy that the author of the book that we're using, James McDonald, encourages you to embrace to actually change your attitude. It's one thing to talk about it tonight. It's another thing to do it. And that is, if you have a habit of complaining, you have to break the habit and start a new habit, and that's the habit of gratitude or thankfulness. So he said in his book, and I made this little half sheet for you, that you should put this beside your bed on your nightstand, and every night before you go to bed, try and fill it out. And he says you should make enough copies so you could do this for a whole year. Well, if it's a real habit of complaining, it's going to take a little while to break it. How do you break it? You don't just stop doing it. You start doing something else, and that is you start being thankful. I want to challenge you that if you have children that have the habit of complaining, you can help them turn that around by making them verbalize things that they are thankful for. It will shut it down. It will help you. Before you go to bed, write down big things, little things, good things, everyday things, and lay your head down on your pillow with gratitude in your heart. Then when you get up in the morning, read everything you just wrote and say, Lord, I thank you that you're in control of my life. This will absolutely change your life, and it will. It will change your life. So if you'll stand with me tonight, we're going to have a word of prayer. This is a very strong lesson, (laughs) so thank you. Some of the other lessons are happier than this one. So stay in here. Stay here for the next few weeks. You're going to really be able to change all your attitudes that you want to let go of. But as I close tonight, I was thinking about that verse in Psalm 100 that says, we enter his gates with what? And a lot of times we think of that as a worship service. Oh, I'm coming into the gates with thanksgiving. But I want to challenge you that that happens every time you embrace an attitude of thanksgiving in your life. You position yourself in the presence of God. And if you have needs, he can meet those needs. So enter his gates with thanksgiving. I can assure you that you cannot enter them with complaining. It won't happen. (laughs) You have to enter with thanksgiving. Will you pray with me, Lord? We want to thank you for your word. This was strong word tonight, but it will help us if we can embrace it. And I recognize how much offense it caused you when I complain, especially about trials or hardships or adversity in my life. So God, I want to lay those things down and pick up a mantle of thankfulness in my life that will free you to do everything that you want to do in my life and be a blessing to those people around me. God, thank you for the people that love me, support me, and help me. I want to thank you for health and strength. And Lord, I want to be grateful. And I want to thank you for the Calvary Church, that you have given us an incredible church where we can learn your truth. And I choose today by an act of my will to turn away from those things that frustrate and defeat me and to focus on everything that's good and perfect because it comes from you. All right. How long do you think you can go without complaining? Can you make it till you get to bed tonight? (laughs) Try it. (laughs) And put this little piece of paper beside your bed and write the things you're thankful for. Amen. God bless you. We will see you on Sunday. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. 
For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.